Zatujcie. 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 Welcome to the Blind Podsman. We are a podcast dedicated to all things Zatoichi. I am your host, Patrick, and with me is Jason. Hey, Patrick. How are hey, you Hey, Jason. I'm good. Uh, we also have a guest today, uh, my former co-host of Banshee Jam and also current wife, Ariana. <laughs> <laughs> so, How's it going, Ariana? Uh, uh, pretty good. How are you, Jason? Doing okay. Thanks for joining us to talk about this uh, Chambara series. Um we're Thank you for having me. <laughs> awesome. And we're focusing on the film Zatoichi's Vengeance from 1966. This was the first Zatoichi film of two films for 1966. And uh, not to be confused with Zatoichi's Revenge, which was an earlier film that we discussed. At, that was uh, the 10th film in the series. This one is a, uh, three films later as coming in at number 13. And only about a year or two, so. In well, fact, I wonder. I wonder if the like the Japanese names for the movies are the same, like uh, if they have one that's revenge and one that's vengeance, or yeah, if it's the same word. They at least sound different. Uh, Zatoichi's Revenge was the English uh, title for what was Zatoichi Nidangiri, and then Zatoichi's Vengeance uh, was the English title for what was Zatoichi No Utaga. Uh, Kiko, oh excuse me, I can't... <laughs> my eyes are bad. Utaga Kikoriu. So, oh, okay. they at least, and at least in the native tongue, they sounded way different. Yes, <laughs> this case, they were and revenge on the same. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. they really do. <laughs> to go back to uh, the chess master being called like Zatuichi's trip to hell or something like, or like uh, originally. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is uh, number 13, which officially puts us at halfway through the original series. Um, as there's 26 original Zatoichi movies, and then, of course, uh, the three other ones that we're also going to be covering. And also Blind Fury, so I guess four extra movies. Um, this movie is directed by Toku- Tokuzo Tanaka, who directed um, The Tale of Zatoichi Continues... And um, a few other ones. And also this features uh, music by Akira Ifukube, who's back uh, again. Um, He's always this great, movie... by the way. Like I know every time we bring him up, we keep praising him. But uh, this guy does really cool things with just simple background music in these films. Especially since he got to play around with those drums in this one. Yeah. yeah nope. Um, yeah. Sorry, uh, this is also another one, uh, if you look at the Criterion cover, the Criterion cover for it's really cool looking too. It's just like, looks like these two like giant monsters on a bridge made of drums and Zatoichi just like smack dab in the middle of them. Mm-hmm. That was a super cool scene as well. Yeah. Um, 
this actually uh, this movie features what's considered to be like uh, one of the most iconic like scenes in the series by fans, and that's the uh, the uh, bridge battle um, with the shadows in the uh, towards the very end. Um, if you if you Google image search uh, Zatoichi, that tends to come up pretty often. Hmm. That is. So here I was. I've never seen a, a Zatoichi movie before, so I was like, "Hey, that that was like pretty dope." Like, I wonder if all of the Zatoichis are that dope, or if like they're better or worse or what? Because yeah, that was pretty cool. Not visually, I, that one stood out for me at the end. For what I thought, like, I mean, overall, I wasn't super into this movie as far as pacing and story goes. We can get into that later, but yeah, that end scene is very cool and. Uh, I think that's the first use of like of shadow and silhouette that we've seen in these movies. Sometimes it'll be like in a darkened room and it's just hard to see anything. But this one against the the dusk sky in the background and like how that sky even looked. Usually their skies are really crisp in these films, but this one was like a kind of a dull blue and it works so well with that ending scene. I have a feeling we'll be talking about the ending scene quite a bit actually. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they kind of really ramped it up in the last, like, ten minutes. Um, especially yeah. considering, like you were saying about um, the pacing in this movie was really off. Like, there was a lot of, like, really sort of, like, not, I wouldn't say dull, but, I mean, it's just a lot of really quiet moments, like, sandwiched between a ton of, like, really stylish action. Yeah, I had to, like, pause it, get up and walk around a few times. <laughs> uh, my first, uh, my first go, uh, go around with this film... Um, I was actually running on very little sleep, so I ended up napping a few times during it. I had to watch it in full <laughs> again to give it like the full respect it deserved. But uh, like shit, where did I where did I doze off again? <laughs> right, right. I mean, that kid is screaming pretty much throughout the entire thing. Like, oh, so yeah. I couldn't use that as a marker. I'm like, well, if he's screaming now and screaming five minutes from now, <laughs> I, I'm still missing a bit. But Ariana, you said this was your first Zatoichi film, so what did you yes. think? Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, like like you said, the uh, pacing was pretty uh, sporadic. Um, it did get really slow at times, and I did have to uh, take a little break. But um, yeah, the action was super cool, and of course the ending was like super cool. I think they tried to get like a little uh, philosophical with this one, or I don't know how yeah. philosophical the other ones get. Not very. Uh, that... It seems like, uh, of course, Zatoichi's previous movies have been pretty violent, and in this one, he uh, faces the question of is violence really the answer? And the answer and the is yes. Is a yes. <laughs> Resounding yes. yes. Yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, nice try, Zatoichi, but you're fooling like you nobody. Shouldn't. You shouldn't uh, let this uh, child uh, witness violence, um, so you shouldn't be violent. And uh, Zatoichi's answer was, hey, go hide in this room while I kill all these people. <laughs> yeah, the, the, question, the question of, like, um, I guess, like, how Zatoichi feels about violence, I mean, that came up, like, very briefly in the first movie. Like, very briefly. Mm -hmm. This is the first time we've had, like, someone, like, outright, like like another character bring it up to him it's like is it really moral what you're doing like killing people even if you're protecting others like with that priest and then i guess like zatoichi understands that it's not a good thing but it's the only thing um that he can do yeah like if it were a perfect world of course like not being violent but like when there's gangs everywhere like 
taking advantage of people and like well i mean like the the that priest had a problem with him like protecting that like young woman from getting kidnapped and probably raped mm-hmm. and he's like yeah that wasn't a good idea you shouldn't have been violent and then later on he's like yeah you did the right thing by being violent and Zatuichi's like, wait, he makes even the point, like, okay. you told me not to pull my sword earlier, but then you're saying, like, this time was cool, so what the fuck, mate? And he's like, well, the fact you don't understand just shows so that you don't, stupid. yeah, like, you don't, you can't comprehend my deep-ass mind. Like, I knew guys like that in college, and they were annoying. Like, they didn't have a right answer. They just assumed whatever they said at one time was the correct answer. But I mean, this guy has a different role because he's like a Zen priest. So like, in his case, yeah, sure, he is correct. But it's obnoxious. It's so, so obnoxious. But um, yeah, it, it's kind of weird because um, this is the first movie to kind of address like, I guess not so much the fact that he's killing like 40 people at a time, but that like what is, you know, what is witnessing this doing to like the other people who are seeing it happen? Because I mean, like, you yeah. don't really there's plenty of instances where he's killed people in front of kids and yeah. that question's never really gotten brought up but i mean at the same time it's not really something you've thought about in the past i mean i was never like oh man that kid's gonna remember that blind guy killing all those dudes for the rest of his life like that's not like a concern i've had you know watching these movies <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they've mostly been cheerful about it or at least like thankful towards zatoichi for preventing like these gangsters from uh, placing their shoes upon their small, fragile heads, like we saw in, like, two installments ago. Um, this also does a thing that um, that I, I actually read about, in, in particularly about, like, this movie, is that um, there's, a, a, there's a Shintoist belief um, when it comes to, like, certain things like spirits and stuff that they're a force of nature not really like a paranormal thing like like godzilla is a force of nature like he's not Mm -hmm. like a dinosaur he's just he's this thing that exists and you can't get rid of it and it seems like this movie is kind of sealing the idea that like zatoichi is kind of that he's kind of a force of nature so because it seems like he's able to do like these absolutely impossible things constantly and you know make it out unscathed most of the time mm-hmm. so it seems like that's kind of like the vibe i'm starting to get from zatuichi's he's kind of like a godzilla-ish figure is that like he's just kind of this thing that exists you know and will constantly exist and y- you don't even really surmise like the idea that he could die you know yeah because you know Godzilla's not going to fucking die. Like, he's going to come back no matter what. And, like, it seems like it seems like no matter what, like, nothing can kill Zatoichi. Yeah, there was, like, a huge buildup in the movie about the drums and how they bother him and how he couldn't fight with their playing drums and then he just kills everyone and yeah. everyone playing the drums. Yeah, <laughs> he was able yeah. to do it. He had almost no trouble. Like, not at all. Yeah, they, they build tension by doing these tense zooms on his face like from the left from the right you know just showing him reacting to these pounding large drums coming at him from either side of the bridge in this ambush but overall yeah he still annihilates these dudes like he misses a few swipes but then no big deal he still gets them all and then moves on to the final duel uh with the uh the ronin here who by the way you brought the uh, brought up the first film 
Yep, um, that's the dude from the first one. Exactly. I got it right this time. Yeah, Shigeru... Because <laughs> I think I said that last time, too. <laughs> yeah, this is the return of Shigeru Amachi, who played uh, Miki Harate in The Tale of Zatuichi. A much more noble figure in the first one. And a much more of a companion to Zatoichi in that one, too. Uh, I mean, that was one of my favorite films from the series, and reason being is that the two of them have a moment where they end up hanging out at a uh, izakaya or an inn, and they're just sharing some sake, knowing that they're going to have to fight at some point. And it's like, well, at least it's you, though. At least I'm fighting against you, because I respect you and I like you. And this guy, uh, his character in this one um, is a disgraced samurai who had sold his wife as part of a debt. And she's been working off that debt as a prostitute. And he finally comes back to, uh, I guess, reclaim her or something. Like putting on this, uh, you know, I've changed routine. And he takes on a job to kill Zatuichi for money from the local crime boss who in this instance is boss Gonzo. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I just, I keep Ariana brought up that it reminded her of uh, Sesame street. Yeah. Or the Muppets. It's very, I think it's, I'm wondering if it's pronounced Gonzo. It's probably Gonzo. Like, not the Gonzo that we're familiar with. And I didn't mean to pronounce it that way either. Uh, I just kind of fell into that. Um, but yeah, and it's as much as he appeals to that part of our cultural nostalgia for the Muppets, this is probably one of the more brutal bosses, like Yakuza bosses of the Zatoichi films. Uh, he's not that much of a coward. He pushes around everybody. He threatens to kidnap everyone every time he shows up on screen <laughs> and uh, has no problem like dunking Zatoichi's face in a dirty pool and getting his face all bloodied. Um, I thought this dude was very brutal um, and actually kind of threatening, which the other Zatoichi villains don't tend to be. Yeah, the, every time they introduce a Yakuza boss in these movies, which is pretty often, they're usually just like a fat, lazy guy that's kind of in the background Oops. and then like tries to fight Zatoichi in the end and then just gets like his shit handed to him. But like this dude seems to be on the field, like causing as much trouble as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he really has it out for that uh, that inn, though, especially because yeah. it seemed like. It, his men were relentless. Like, they were there, like, two or three times a day. Yeah. Like, just throwing people around. Yeah, him and, like, a crew of... Must be three o'clock. Yeah, yeah let's seriously. get 40 dudes together and just crowd this guy's in. And go beat up this old woman. Yeah. <laughs> Always beating up on, like, elderly people. It's... It is uh, very rough stuff, this guy. Um, but, yeah, he had moved in on this town, what used to be a very peaceful town, and then a brothel showed up or was established and shortly after uh, Boss Gonzo and his uh, crew started extorting everybody. And it's uh, been causing trouble. But we kind of ignore, like, the impetus for this uh, for this particular story is that Zatuichi stumbles across a fallen person. He's playing, like, Good Samaritan again. Um, there's a guy in the very first scene who's 
murdered in some tall grass. And Zatoichi passes the murderer, who turns out to be this this lone ronin. Uh, and then some bandits are attempting to take whatever they're trying to pilfer from this fallen person. Uh, but Zatoichi comes in, gets the dying man's dying words, and vows to act on those dying words, which is to return some some object that at the time we're, we're not even clear what it is, but he has to deliver it to somebody named Taichi. So Zatoichi has no other clues, but he's like, all right, I guess I'm delivering this to Taichi wherever and whoever that is. Um, I just I can't imagine how many people are named Taichi. There's a, yeah. the other the other thing about the whole force of nature thing is that uh, also in a lot of these movies, um, Zatoichi just kind of seems to find himself in these situations <laughs> without really trying. Um, he kind of falls into these jobs and like uh, where I, like even in this one, like he has absolutely no idea where to go and he just kind of ends up like where he needs to be. And even he's flummoxed by it. Um, like he takes a moment and be like, well, I guess Takemi's the guy who was dying. He gets his name as well as Takemi. I guess Takemi's spirit guided me here. So he's just kind of like, whatever. I, I guess I should have assumed this would happen, that I would reach my <laughs> reach my goal with this one. And um, this movie's a lot darker than, like, most other Zatoichi movies. Like, I noticed that about, like, the last couple ones is that they, uh, they're they getting a little more serious, too. Especially mm-hmm. with, like, the whole thing about, like, human trafficking and, like, um, you know, watching old people get beaten up on screen and stuff like that. And the fact that, like... Even though, like, the pacing of this movie's not great, it is excessively violent. Like, mm-hmm. even for a Zatoichi movie. Well, I'm glad I stumbled upon being on this podcast uh, during a really dark and violent one. Yeah. Yeah, you you picked a good one in that regard. And good. I'm glad I, I'm glad I got the good movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's also really dark visually, too. <clears throat> I mean, we talked about that last scene a bit, but most of this movie has just incredibly dark tones to it. And that was something yeah. that struck me because the previous films, nearly all of them since they switched from black and white to Technicolor or or whatever or whatever color production they've been using on these, um, have had at least some color to them, like some brightness. Uh, green hills, um, uh, floral festivals, and they even mention a festival in this one, but it's not that colorful. There are no takes green. place at like night. Yeah, yeah, and in like anytime they show a city street, it's mostly barren and just has like gray pathways, and it looks almost industrial for being like a, a village. Um, I kind of got hints of that game Bloodborne that Patrick oh, and, yeah. and I talked about. That's what it felt like at some points, and even the duel. And this is what's interesting: the duel takes place on this pebbled beach with all these little pools of water. Um, I watched the trailer for this after watching the movie, and they filmed different segments of scenes from the film for the trailer. So the duel is the two actors on a bridge where they originally meet in the film. However, there's like green fields behind them. It's shot from the side of the bridge. Like, <laughs> as if you're advancing on the bridge itself, not from the river, like where the film had shown it. 
and oh, they that's weird. and they draw <laughs> yeah. their swords on the bridge, which they did not do in the movie. No, not there's... at all. They walked off the bridge like completely casually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like they already knew, you know. And the cinematography, Let's go to a yeah, more was... scenic place. Right, right, like that. That struck me as odd. So I took a look at some of the other scenes in the trailer, and they were all fairly different from what they appeared in the movie. Like when uh, Boss Gonzo gets the idea to use drums to distract Zatuichi, it's this kind of delayed scene where the actor he's talking to has this back to the camera. You just get Gonzo's face in it. But in this trailer, like it was a different angle altogether. They did that a couple of times. Anyway, it was really interesting. I had seen that with the other trailers for the previous films. So I guess they were trying to lure people in to see this one, knowing that like the shots that they used would be a little bit off-putting. Because, like, today, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this movie's, like, dark and gritty. Like, people would definitely want to go see it, but maybe not at that time. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the whole, like, darkness motif. I, I um, When he was talking to that uh, prostitute, he said, like, night and day are the same when you're blind. Oh, yeah. That and probably he's... had something to do with it, the mm-hmm. darkness motif. <laughs> I don't know. It's also funny that they've been doing that deceiving trailer shit forever. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like, come see this film. I mean, it looked, the cinematography and shots they used in the trailer looked more like the previous Zatoichi films that we've been watching. Like, very focused on an actor's, like, one actor's face, never showing, like, the back of an actor's head. Like, almost has, like, a theater or uh, stage drama uh, influence to it. But the film didn't really have a lot of that. It seemed more like noirish or something. Um, yeah, true. Um, it, it's uh, it's also um, like you were saying about like uh, about like this boss being especially brutal. It's also interesting because like I feel like the uh, the big one on one that they always have in these movies, even though it lasted a couple minutes, compared like speaking. Like, comparatively, like, when he was, like, taking out droves of dudes. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like that character was very compelling. Because it's usually, like, the one-on-one guy that's, like, the most interesting character in the movie. I mean, aside from Zatuichi, like, especially, like, when you have, like, the character he played before in the first one. Or you had, like, um, Shintaro Katsu's brother playing the guy with the whip. Yeah. Um... It felt like the most, you know, like the most interesting villain was it for once the actual like Yakuza boss, which he kills in like a second. Yeah, which he kills in like a second. Yeah, but I did like how that scene was drug out because Zatuichi has his duel on the beach and uh, makes his way back to Boss Gonzo's. And I just love the introduction. It of was that like scene. so dope. <laughs> yeah, they're like the blind man's back. And they're all freaking out. So Zatoichi like pushes three guys as he enters, like to announce his entrance. All these dudes keep falling back over themselves. And he walks up. He's like, "Sumima Sen, is Boss Gonzo here?" Covered in blood. Yeah, just <laughs> like I'm looking for Boss Gonzo. Is he here? Is he here now? Which is a, again a departure from previous films where he would kind of come in stoically and robotically. In this one, he's pretending like Humble. nothing's <laughs> happened. Yeah. Like they know that he's killed their best bet at taking him down, and he's he like, just keeps on turning around and going, "Oh yeah, uh, you know, three more uh, 
whatever that currents Gio? Rio. Rio. Yeah. There's been several debates on the show about what Rio like translates to money wise. I feel like it's like a hundred dollars. We settled on like a thousand I think it was like what was it? Like a thousand or two thousand or something? Yeah, somewhere between like a thousand and two thousand. Uh, yeah. for that time period I mean, um at those at that kind of exchange so it's uh still a lot of money but you're right it's it's such a great scene how he's he's like Columbo but with money he's like oh just a few more thousand please <laughs> yeah, i just remembered <laughs> one more thing more thousand. Uh... yeah yeah <laughs> I, I like how that scene of him just walking in covered in blood reflected the earlier scene where he was like eating bread and it was all over his face. He just walks into the Yakuza den just covered in blood. Covered yeah, is that just like he, he's not even aware. He is aware that he's covered in blood, but because he flicks it into the sake. Yeah. Um, Zatuichi is a notoriously messy eater, too. Yeah, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we get like three eyefuls of it in this movie. Like. I both love and hate these scenes because, like, I'm very uncomfortable with the way that he eats. He's always, like, talking with his mouth full and just letting food drop all over his face. But it's also really endearing because he's he's living the life. Like, he he just loves food. He loves to eat (laughs) and talk at the same time. Um, Yeah, so there's a couple of scenes of him chewing it up. But yet that scene where he like he's confronting the Yakuza boss, like drinking his sake, and he's like, "Here, you have some of your own sake. How about that?" And he pours the cup expertly, um, which is impressive because he can't see the level of it, see anything. <laughs> and then he manages to flick like a bit of blood from his nose directly into the cup without Boss Gonzo noticing. And Boss Gonzo like takes a drink of it, feels like something was off about it, but is none the wiser. And I, I don't know what that's supposed to imply. I'm not sure if that's like if he's actualizing some weird saying about like never put blood in your sake or I don't know. <laughs> Just some mm-hmm. like ancient Japanese like uh like a proverb or something. Like, yeah, a proverb or something like that. Maybe he's just doing it to be a dick. I don't know. I'm thinking it's more along those lines because like the entire scene is Ariana pointed out is just him like constantly like, oh yeah, and then there's like this much that I need back and you took this much. <laughs> He's like, hey, you you hired this guy to do a job for 50 Rio, and he's talking about the hit that was put on himself. He's like, what was the job? Maybe I could do it. And they're like, no, it's not necessary. And he's like, well, I'll just take the money then. And it's it's a unique scene. Like, they hadn't done this sort of confrontation like this before. And Bascanzo, like, slowly yields to it and, like, is finally like, yeah, just take whatever you want. And attempts to take him down uh, when he's finally collecting some more money and Which of course it does works out never works out well no nope um, yeah it's just that like it's it's weird because there was um like especially uh, with the priest like this movie felt a little more self-aware than the last like pretty much any of the other ones even though the pacing wasn't super great um the fact that like the priest was just bringing up stuff that like maybe the viewer would just be asking themselves. Um, yeah. He's like, Oh, you're going to, he's like, you're going to try to leave or you're going to say that you're going to try to leave. But in reality, you're going to find an excuse to stay a little longer, which is happens in every one of these movies. He's always just passing through and then, you know, something happens and he ends up having to stick around a little longer. That's true. I didn't, I hadn't considered that. Like, 
the moral aspect and all that, yeah, that is kind of a driving force for this film, but that priest is kind of a great chorus for people who've become familiar with these films by now. Like, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> like, you're you're going to say that you don't want to fight, and then you're going to fight. So it's almost like he's directing the movie in a meta uh, sort of way. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And it's... um. I don't know, there's not really, like, a whole lot to say about, like, the innkeepers, like, the grandmother, and, like, except that she hated her kid, I guess. Um, But, like, especially, like, the... the, It's weird how much of a role, like, children play in these movies, especially considering, like, Fight Zatoichi Fight, which, I mean, I consider the best one was all about him and an infant. Um, Mm -hmm. And then... uh, I don't know, like, I, I feel like while this kid, like, the idea of, like, the influence Zatoichi can have on a, on this kid since he's seen him fight and stuff, it feels like they didn't really play it up that much. Like, you never see the kid do anything that, like, might make Zatoichi, like, question, like, his actions or anything. It's just the priest basically saying, hey, what if this kid, uh, what if he screwed this kid up? But nothing really that the kid does shows that, like, it had any sort of effect outside of, like him thinking Zatoichi was really cool. Yeah. yeah. For for saving his family. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, the- hey, this, like, morally upstanding uh, handicapped guy who is awesome and, like, shatters stereotypes and, like, actually did something good. Like, I can't imagine that kid growing up and being like, I want to be in the Yakuza. Yeah. Yeah, there's... At most, see other people for a living. Like I just can't imagine the kid wanting to do that. If anything, you'd want to take up like swordsmanship. It's like, how do I get as good as Zatuichi? <laughs> or but, become a masseur. Or become a masseur. <laughs> yeah, he does have like a contemplative moment at the end. The ending of this one is also super strange and kind of a bummer as opposed to previous ones. Like usually people make an attempt to turn their life around or they've fulfilled some goal that they wanted and they just want to thank Zatoichi one last time. In this case, like even though Zatoichi successfully procured the money to uh, release that contract for the uh, prostitute, the the wife or ex-wife of the uh, samurai that Zatoichi ended up dueling, she's like drunk at the end and she just pushes the money away. Like she's not yeah, that leaving. Was really yeah. odd. <laughs> that was pretty dark. Yeah, um, and then the kid is just, like, staring off into the distance, like, not calling for Zatoichi like he has been for the entire film, and that's not an exaggeration. Like, he's yelling Zatoichi's name most of this movie, um, trying to get his attention in some way or another. And then he's quiet at the end, just, like, like looking off in the distance. It's a... Uh, I don't know, it doesn't feel like... Um... It doesn't feel like a, like a completed story like the other ones where it's just like yeah there is this there's this objective and Zatoichi fulfills it and everyone's life is kind of better for it. It's just kind of like this is this thing that just sort of happened to everybody and now it's over. Yeah, um, going along with that force of nature thing, like the previous films, it's usually Zatoichi at the end is trying to reconcile like the violence that he's committed and he's usually upset with himself. In this one, we don't really see that. Like, he ends up walking into the sunset, but there's not a lot of emotion on his face. And it's like, these shots of the other people who are affected are done... I mean, it seems like it was in a negative manner, or at least, like, 
They're like they just sure got hit by a tornado. Yeah, yeah. Like the yeah. kid is looking at destruction in the distance or something. It's a um, movie. I guess we can start talking about the end because there isn't really like a whole lot of plot to this movie outside of um, Yakuza bosses mean and Satoichi's going to kill all of them. But um, <laughs> mm-hmm. so Boss Gonzo. Um, and this is some major foreshadowing they did in the beginning when Zatuichi, of course, was like, got kind of uh, bothered by the the drums, the drum festival, and mentioned that like he, the sensitivity of his ears because he's blind, his senses are hype are uh, are heightened. Um, Boss Gonzo decides to uh, get an entire marching band to go confront Zatuichi mm-hmm. on the bridge. Entire drum just line. so conveniently happens to be a, yeah, a, a drum yeah. drum uh, celebration of the year. Yeah, mm-hmm. turns out he owns the drum band, so um, of course Satuichi uh, is in the midst of confronting Gonzo's men on this bridge, which, like I was saying in the beginning of the episode, has, this is one of the more iconic Iconic shots you'll see if you Google Zatuichi is this uh, silhouetted battle on a uh, bridge, sort of, um, I guess, like the back, like with this mountain backdrop. And uh, all of a sudden, just on both ends, uh, two giant crowds of drums just surround him. And I actually thought the entrance was really, cool, like, super overwhelming in, like, a good way, though, because, like, you would expect, like, a couple drummers, but it's just, like, this mountain of, like, Like a giant, giant drums, like, on carts, like... Yeah. yeah. Like, they brought everything. That yeah. was cool. Yeah, we need every drum. Bring it. And also, again, for the trailer of this movie, that was one of the other shots that wasn't in the film. They were... Uh, there's a shot of Zatoichi, like, in one of the alleyways uh, from, like, the village itself. And he's trying to go down one street, but drums are confronting him. And he tries to go up the alleyway, more drums. And he's like, oh, there's all these drums everywhere. And then, like, then it was followed by a shot of uh, the prostitute, uh, uh, Ocho. She was running down those steps of the village that's next to her building and she's like damn it everybody needs to stop and i'm like that scene wasn't in the movie shut the fuck up yeah yeah it's like when your neighbor it's like when uh we couldn't record that one time because your neighbor was watching a football game really loud that's right he was watching the razorbacks uh lose. he was he was in, he was impeding on your ability to podcast much like these men were trying to impede on zatuichi's ability to fight yeah yeah my neighbor also brought all of his drums to that uh, viewing party, so that was problematic. I was trying to like, awesome. I was like, damn it, these drums need to stop. Um, yeah, so it's a very cool setup for this scene where like we get these wide shots of uh, the length of the bridge, like as if it were we're looking at it from the river, and both drum teams from either side are like they careen in. And then they pull out, and then, like, a few guys will try to get a few swipes in on Zatuichi, who's been disoriented. It made me, like, think of, like, a video game. Like, the drums mm-hmm. come, and then they pull out, and then people attack, and then, like, it just keeps on going. Yeah, yeah. Like, like in, a, a in a systematic too. way. Mm-hmm. Like, they plan that out. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like you're, the boss is invulnerable until, uh, until he like turns around or something, and then that's when you can attack him. <laughs> um, 
But once again, like it didn't seem like these drums really gave Zatoichi too much trouble, though, because Not he at just all. <laughs> absolutely wrecked everybody in that, including the drummers. Um, I wish mm-hmm. they would have explained how he managed to do that, because it just seems like, like too godlike. Yes, yeah. that is Zatoichi, I guess. What kind of makes a yeah. bit more sense is the scene before this, which had nothing really to do with the drums, and I. I thought it was going to be the end sequence until I realized that there was still more to the film. Um, Zatoichi catches wind that uh, the Joshuya Inn that is like the place where he learns that uh, this Tai Chi boy's family is, the grandparents that we mentioned earlier who get beat up, they own this inn. And yet again, Gonzo and his men attempt to take over it. They've got the grandmother tied up in the center of this inn and Zatuichi makes his way like into a room of what looks to be about 30 men and does his kind of folksy routine and Gonzo uh, says he'll let the old woman free if Zatuichi or if they hand over the inn and if Zatuichi hands over his cane sword and uh, the old man agrees to hand over the inn but then Zatuichi attempts to give a cane sword but it's just a regular cane so when the guy like realizes that he steals this henchman's sword and ends up going to town it's this very like claustrophobic bloody scene but that seemed like more important than the drum scene because he's he's been carrying around this actual cane instead of his cane sword to be more peaceable and that's the thing that ends up setting off the most violence yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And also, um, um, speaking to just how violent this movie is, and like, uh, Ariana, you might not know this, but these movies don't tend to feature blood ever, pretty mm-hmm. much. And like, this movie just ends with him just soaked in it. Yeah. Like, like he's everywhere. just drenched in blood. <laughs> like, by the time he goes to Boss Gonzo's. Yeah. Which I imagine has to be a pretty scary sight. Like, um, especially when you've hired someone to go kill this dude and he comes back just drenched in blood. (laughs) Yeah, and chill as hell. Like, hey, can I have this sake? Man, I'm parched. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's... um, Yeah, going back to how dark this movie is, it's just kind of... There's a... I I read a a review for this movie, too, um, and the review mentions the fact that like vengeance is a, like revenge is like a is like an honorable, logical and like, and like acceptable thing, whereas vengeance is like excessively like violent. Like vengeance is excess, whereas like revenge is necessary. Yeah, and I think that really may, maybe the time between these two movies makes more sense now, aside from just running out of titles for these films. That makes sense, but. Um, you know, it's just like um, you're seeing a much darker, more destructive Zatuichi than I think we've really ever seen before. Except for uh, that scene in, I don't know if it's the chess master. No, it's not the chess master. I think it was actually um, the doomed man where he just straight up executes those two dudes like against a wall. Like that was pretty uh, harsh for Zatuichi. <laughs> That's also the way like isn't that the one where he drop kicks a guy out of a second story uh, wall? Yeah, yeah, I believe that's the same movie. Okay, 
Yeah, yeah, this one is really dark. And the way you put that puts all the priests' uh, philosophical discussions into different perspective now. Like, do you have to be this excessive with your violence? And the violence, yeah, yeah again, like when the violence happens in this film, it is sudden and kind of surprising. Like, it, it was a bit shocking each time it happened in, in this case. Also, what did you think of this uh, this bit where he would, like, slice a bunch of people and they would freeze frame and then he would sheathe his sword and once like the hilt reached the the rest of the cane like people would fall i you know this isn't the first i i don't know exactly which was the first movie to do this but that that's actually kind of like a common thing in like chambara movies is like the main character just fucks up all these dudes and they're all just kind of like in shock like you, you see it before in like other stuff where like two guys would duel and they would like make one hit and they would both be standing. And then all of a sudden, like after a couple seconds, one of them would fall down. Like the whole, like hitting these guys and then sheathing your sword and they all fall. Like they do that so much in these kind of movies and like anime and stuff. Like, I think it's just a thing that goes with the genre. Like a dramatic. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching. I was like, man, anime fucking rules. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess I didn't notice it as much. Like when it makes that, hilt lock sound where it just like finally clinks and people would fall after that or maybe i just hadn't noticed it as clearly uh, i think this is the first time they've done i that, actually did since so. i've been replaying the fatal frame games i actually did notice like you don't know like when a ghost is like exercised like the music doesn't stop and like they they don't like stop moving but you already killed them that like takes them a few takes you a few seconds to realize they're actually dead. Oh uh, yeah, so they do that. Yeah, it's kind of the same. Hey, hey, my neighbor is playing some folksy Christmas music. <laughs> <laughs> Are you able to hear any of it? I can't no. hear it. No, I can't hear anything. Okay, good. Did you say- Your neighbors are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they play some like okay stuff sometimes. Like it's stuff that I actually. Have an affinity Did you say for folksy Christmas music? Like, <laughs> yeah, I can. I distinctly hear a pan flute playing. Uh, we three kings of Orient are. What? Well, to be fair, my I have to listen to polka music on Christmas. Really? Huh? Yeah. What on earth? It's March. I or no, it's April. But still, I know it's I'm... it's quite a. I've heard of Christmas in July, but this is ridiculous. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know the occasion. Maybe he just really digs this version of it, <laughs> but it is very distinct. Like, oh man, I gotta get home and listen to this pan flute. I By know. the way, I'm not. I'm not editing this out. This is going in the episode. <laughs> okay. This is. I, I'm just. We should. We should have your neighbors on the podcast. <laughs> I really should, and I mean, sometimes he'll be playing like, uh, the band's "The Last Waltz," but specifically that Van Morrison version of. Uh, of a uh, radio and i love that but it's like sometimes it's just right out where i'm like why why is this happening anyway um <laughs> or he'll be we? watching the movie the last waltz <laughs> yeah yeah just have the entirety of it on okay we're hitting the course again so okay well um uh. yeah the the hilt the hilt noise signaling everybody that it's okay to die um <laughs> That happens in a lot of like these. Uh, that happens in a lot of um, other chambers. I, 
Yeah, I, I like think it has bars. something to do with like the katana, like because it's supposed mm. to be so sharp, it slices through you. You don't like die right as like as brutally right away mm. because your blood is still flowing because it's such a sharp cut. I guess. Yeah, it's it's that like slow realization that your body has to go through. That sword is so sharp. <laughs> even know I'm dead yet. <laughs> yeah, but it happens a couple times in this film. Even during the duel, which was surprising to me. Like, I remember previous films where there would be the slice and the person would be kind of frozen in spot and would fall. But in this case, it, you hear, like, the clink, and then, like, the samurai ends up dropping a sword, then falls to the ground, and et cetera, et cetera. So, a bit different. Also, but, um, uh, oh, sorry. What were you no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, something else different about this film there's no gambling in it. Yeah, there's the. Hard to talk about gamblers all the time, but I didn't. The, see yeah, exactly. That's there's right. Gambling they talk about every single one, uh, except for this one. Like you get to see it in all the others, and this one, they. You're right. They do just talk about it an awful they, lot. Like no gamblers just, allowed. He just shows up like in the aftermath of gambling. Yeah, or like he gets that cheater's dice, and then like the yakuza boss was talking about turning the hotel into a gambling hall. So it seems like gambling was going to rear its ugly head, but Zatuichi stopped it. Yeah, it's a weird turn for this film. Like, they had way too many Zatuichi eating scenes to include any Zatuichi <laughs> gambling scenes. There is, um, there is luckily a scene where he uh, breaks some dice, though, so we're not entirely left out in the cold this time. That's true. Like, dice are um, on screen for a hot minute. He also doesn't score in this movie, um, which hap- doesn't happen in all of them, but happens in a lot of them because Zatoichi is basically blind James Bond. I really mm-hmm. wasn't. I really didn't believe you when you first said that that he like scores yeah, in every movie. When we were watching, like, when the movie first started, why would she thought that, watch- um, he's so like bloated and sweaty, <laughs> and like, why would anyone want to watch that? She thought that the guy who played, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Oh boy, why can't I remember his name right now? Um, the guy who played Mike in the first movie. Um, he, uh, hmm. Oh, Shig- uh, Shigeru Amachi. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, she thought that was Zatoichi at first. And really? I was like, no, it's that guy. No, it's that like <laughs> alcoholic looking guy. And then yeah. I was like, you know how old he was when he made this? And she's like, what? I was like, he was 28. He was younger than I was. <laughs> yeah, and... and- Probably That's way drunker wild. too. Yeah, like this Shintaro Katsu is he is a bloated dude. Yeah. Uh, he was a very he was a very hard hard living dude. And his bloated and drunken drink. yeah, his drinking and bloated appearance is probably what gave him the nickname uh, Bukowski. So that's a <laughs> Wait, deep what? That's that Explain never happened. that one? I've never heard that one. It, it it's not real. I just made it. Oh. Up. I just like name dropping Bukowski whenever I get the chance. And Bukowski he, Ichi sounded funny. He was the uh, he was the one who um he he was the the drug suitcase guy, right? That we talked about in uh, Doom Fan. Was that him or was that his brother? That was that was Shintaro. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, Shintaro Katsu got caught like bringing like a suitcase full of drugs on an airplane Mm -hmm. and like he said the only lesson he learned from it was to like get better suit a better suitcase or something i do i do like that zatuichi has this very like unassuming appearance like aside from the fact that he's blind like he's like out of shape like he does not look like funny yeah 
he doesn't strike you as a master swordsman, and it's also like because I'm just like expecting to see like a James Bond type, like you know, like fit, like handsome, like. But no, like he's just. And at this point, average-looking dude. The thing about Zatsuichi going back a couple movies is that he didn't start as a swordsman; he was a masseur. Yeah. Who then learned how to fight with a sword like five years ago? Yeah. So he hasn't not been doing this that long. He's just a genius at it, like just a natural. Yeah, he's just really good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. She, I just thought that was really funny. She thought that like this, this tall, handsome guy was Zatoichi, because yeah, it is the idea that like you would think like this, this like tall, dark, sort of deb- like debonair dude, um, who has like twenty six movies. To- devoted to him you would think that was him but nope <laughs> and then this guy walks up <laughs> um that's an interesting first take yeah. then yeah i didn't anticipate that um but uh yeah it's a uh, overall like my overall thoughts of the movie is that like i i you know i of course there are boring zatuichi movies there's really good zatuichi movies i mean like comparatively speaking you've got like um, like Doomed Man wasn't very good, whereas like Fight Zatoichi Fight is like kind of my gold standard for the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think this movie was okay. Um, I I think that like the narrative, the story was very basic. Like the narrative was kind of whatever, and like um, the pacing was sort of slow. But I think it it did in style. It, you know the how stylistic it was kind of made up for it yeah. um there was a lot of like really cool like stuff that happened in this movie that like um you know you could definitely take away from it like cause some of these movies i can't i could tell you in all honesty if you put one on and told me it was one we hadn't seen before i'd probably believe you but like i, I feel like that there are things that you can definitely take away from this movie um especially like the drum scene and like um, all the sword fights inside of like the like inside of like um, Gonzo's uh, I guess his mansion I don't even know what to call it his domain uh, the fight that happens in the hotel lobby um, I, I thought that the whole thing with the the blind priest was pretty interesting so overall I think it's a I think it's you know a B I I know we don't have a rating system but I would say yeah it's it's pretty good what about you Jason. Um, I would go along with you in saying that's a B. Um, I did think it was kind of slow, but stylistically was very cool. Uh, now when I say B, I mean like a a 79% rounded up to an 80. Okay. (laughs) No, that's a B. That's a B. That's like your, that's your teacher being nice. (laughs) B minus. Yeah, I... I would not consider this my favorite. Um, I would probably stick with... Uh, uh, I think it was the previous one that we watched, a Chess Expert. That's yeah. probably my new favorite at this point, because that one had... I actually watched Chess Expert again, and I liked it a lot more than the first time we reviewed it. So it's... Uh, especially when I was looking at it as a remake of the first movie, mm. um, just with like a better budget. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Chess expert's really good. Yeah, and but fight Zatuichi fight is also excellent. Oh, and looking back at some of these previous titles, I forgot that the the sword trick in this one 
where he cuts a lamp open and has like the still burning candle at the end of the sword. That's from uh, Zatuichi's flashing sword. That's the yep. box art for that one. I knew I saw that before. Like and then, he did something similar. But then he gets like all goofy, wacky shack '80s movie style with it by like flicking the candle onto the top of one of the uh, uh, yakuza's heads. Like it just rests gently on the top of his noggin. He's like, "Whoa, you put yeah, that candle let's... on my head." Let's be honest, like, that's not out of character for Zatuichi, though. No, and it was still cool. Like, I still dug it, but it was just like, man, that it was unusual for the film. Not for the character, but I guess I just didn't anticipate that to happen. But, uh, yeah, um, I still thought it was a really good installment. Ariana, what, are you, what did you think of this one as your first Zatuichi movie? Um, it was pretty cool, like... I uh, could take out, like, the entire, like, middle of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, No, like, the the ending, last, like, 15 minutes of the movie were, like, cool enough to make this a cool movie. So I would give it a B as well. I don't think I can grade it as well because I have nothing to compare it to, but I did enjoy myself, and uh, it was a memorable experience. I'm glad that I got a good movie. Yeah, uh, Sarah and Parker, I think, both got pretty bad ones. (laughs) Unfortunately, but yeah, uh, thanks for joining us as we thanks talk for about having this one. Me. Um, I guess we'll let's touch on the next one pretty briefly because remember how hard we groaned about um the chess expert before we watched it. <laughs> yeah, and kind of okay, yeah, well, hats. Yeah, movie fourteen is called Zatuichi's The Blind Swordsman Pilgrimage, and the plot is Zatuichi treks through eighty-eight temples to atone for his violent past. Okay. Is interrupted as he stumbles into a, vi- a village terrorized by a violent yakuza boss. Now I, I just guess. I just read a very <laughs> interesting tidbit. This movie actually almost got remade by Quentin Tarantino um, in okay. the nineties. Um, after Pulp Fiction was made, he convinced Miramax to get the rights to it, but it never happened. And instead he made that, uh, Sukiyaki Western Django movie. Yeah. Or, so bad. Um, so I think we're going to probably see a lot of things, uh, that Tarantino, um, have, may have reused in some of his movies in this next one. So it's going to be an interesting watch. There's actually a lot of cool trivia about this movie, but we'll go into it, uh, We'll go into it in the uh, in the next episode. I bet he was definitely influenced by the uh, ending bridge uh, silhouette scene. Uh, oh, and Kill Bill. Kill Bill. Yeah, for Kill That's Bill. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, it may not have been like a direct one. Maybe this is a proto version of later Chambara films. Yeah, I don't know that how many it. times it's been used, but I did mm-hmm. definitely think of Kill Bill during that scene. Yeah. Um, actually, there is one tidbit i did want to read when this movie was when zach tuichi's pilgrimage was released in the uk uh they actually released the 23rd movie in the series on accident and called it zach tuichi's pilgrimage (laughs) which uh, because these movies don't really have like a canonical like story to them it doesn't really matter but i think that's kind of interesting yeah outside of maybe the first three that have like a loose connection to each other even that's hard to judge as canon for itself yeah. Yeah, and some of these titles I don't know, they almost read like curious George book titles like <laughs> Zatuichi meets the one armed man. Zatuichi goes to the fire festival. These are actual titles for these films. Like Zatuichi it, at large. English speaking distributors I mean, they truly did not grasp the uh the franchise that well. It's it's kind of embarrassing. 
<laughs> I would say that's probably fine for the 60s, but in reality, I mean, a lot of these movies didn't really see American releases till the 90s on DVD, so... Yeah, that's, like, that's likely the case, yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering if they would have changed it to, like, Zatuichi's Rockin' Journey or something. Yeah. <laughs> Zat- <laughs> Zatuichi, Zatuichi goes hog wild. <laughs> Zatuichi in the Mount Fuji bloodbath. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, but overall, like, I'm not, like, necessarily... I, I got a little scared because you started, like, you we were texting each other and you mentioned before I had watched this that you had fallen asleep, like, two or three <laughs> times. So I was getting a little scared there when I started watching <laughs> I it. I was feeling it a little bit. I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. It's one of yeah. these. Um, yeah. Okay, so I guess that really does it. Um, I guess we'll... we'll Let's go to our plugs. Uh, if you want to reach us, we are at facebook.com. I think I just uh, started doing that thing Jason? again. Oh, I'm here. Okay, okay. no, we're good. Um, so you can reach us at uh, facebook.com slash theblindpodsman, or I guess come to Podcast Town if you're really so inclined to. Um, you can uh, check us out on our uh, blog, which is uh, blindpodsman.blogspot.com. Uh, if you want to email us any of your thoughts, critiques, or suggestions, you can email us at blindpodsman at gmail.com, which I now have the password to. Um, uh, Jason, do you want to plug any uh, any stuff? Uh, listen to Jason yeah. on Pool Party Radio. This There might only be 18 more episodes of it. Yeah, there's uh, Pool Party Radio at poolpartyradio.com uh, with my co-host and a previous guest on, the sh- on this show, Parker Bowman. Um you can uh, also find me on the Twitterverse at Cumulus Risby. And yeah, I think that's about does it for me. Ariana, do you have anything you want to plug? No, I'm pretty good. No, yeah. <laughs> Living the homebody life here. So, <laughs> thanks, um, thanks again for joining us on this episode. Yeah, thank you for being thanks on for this episode me. with us. Um, so, yeah, I guess that just about does it. So, for the. Uh, for, uh, Myself, Jason, and Ariana. Good night. <laughs> Come on, you.